What's up? What's up? Another episode of Ripple Effect Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Rika Lavrandis, also known as Ricky Vrance. And a great episode for you today. Today, we have Dave Zed from the Generation Zed Podcast. I'll put links to his stuff in the show description, as always. And some of you guys might be familiar with his work because he's been a guest on the Union of the Unwanted a bunch of times and always brings some really interesting perspectives and information and he's a part of some really, really interesting stuff, some suppressed technology or rediscovering some old technology. We talk about Tesla. We talk about ancient aliens. We talk about Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson's work. We talk about science, reality, consciousness, and much, much more. So hold on tightly. You're about to go on a hell of a ride. But before you go on that ride, I have to remind you guys, this is a value for value show. So please, if you get some value out of this discussion or any of the great conversations I try to bring to you guys, please consider giving some value back. If you can't financially support the show, you can rate the show, subscribe to the show on all the platforms we're on, tell people about the show, and do your best to try to get the word out there. But if you can support the show financially, please consider doing so. You don't have to support with a lot of money. Even a dollar a month would go a long way. And like I always remind you guys, if a small percentage of all the listeners and downloaders donated as little as a dollar a month. I could easily do this full time. And I know sometimes it's obvious that I'm distracted or I'm not as focused as I should be. And that's because I don't do this show full time. So if you want to help with that, if you want to do more than just complain about your favorite podcaster's performance, please consider helping those podcasters. Support the people that help you get this thought-provoking information these thought-provoking conversations, expose you to some new ideas, and you don't have to donate much to help us. Like I said, as little as a dollar a month on Patreon goes a long way. We also have a PayPal account, crypto wallet, and a Venmo account if you want to send a one-time donation. We have a merch store with tons of hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, kids' clothes, and with the holidays right around the corner, please consider checking out the merch store, maybe getting some Christmas presents there. We also have some sponsors like ContentSafe, and ContentSafe saves me tons of time because what they do is they sync all my video channels together, so I upload my videos to one place, and then soon after, they appear on all the video platforms I'm on. So please check out ContentSafe. Let them know that you're a listener of the Ripple Effect Podcast, and they will hook you up. Another sponsor is the University of Reason, created by Richard Grove, the host of the very popular show Grand Theft World, which you can find on Rockfin and many other video platforms. But if you're at a crossroads in life, if you're looking to expand some skills, learn some new skills, connect with the community, check out the University of Reason and the very popular autonomy courses. You can find the links to all these things and much more on my website, the ripple effect podcast.com or in the show description. 
but go to University of Reason, and by signing up, you're helping yourself and you're helping the Ripple Effect podcast at the same time. So please check it out. My last sponsor is Element Electrolytes. I drink this stuff every day. It was created and founded by Rob Wolf, who is a OG in the paleo and keto community, one of the smartest people in regards to nutrition. And he created a electrolyte powder mix you can put in your water. Or if you get the chocolate flavors, you can put it in your coffee and you can get your caffeine and stay hydrated at the same time. And you can add some flavor to your coffee, add some flavor to your water with something that has no sugar, has no artificial flavors or sweeteners. It's good for you and it can help with a lot of different symptoms like headache and fatigue, a lot of different things that come with being dehydrated. That's it, guys. Enjoy this amazing conversation. Also, check out our Telegram group chat for all the people who want to connect with other listeners or connect with myself. And I will talk to you guys on the next one. Peace. Every time you jump on the You Have Done Wanted, I'm like, I need to get Dave on. I'm like, I need to talk to Dave. You always have the most interesting things and perspectives to share. And I know I've been on your show a while ago, but you've never been on mine. And um, and one, I want to, if I can, like maybe uh, get some of my listeners to check out your show if they're not familiar with it. Um, But also, there's so many interesting things going on right now. And some yeah. of talked about on the last You Have Done Wanted uh, which I know that you're aware of also the last appearance of uh, Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson on Rogan. Uh, they're, they're, those uh, conversations intertwine a little bit. And um, there's some things that they talked about on there that immediately made me think of you and, and some of the stuff you were saying on the last show. And it's a topic that I'm super curious about because um, I've had people on, which, you know, obviously I think we've talked about too, uh, like Dr. T uh, Thomas Cowan. Yep. And and uh, Rupert Sheldrick. And I love anybody who makes us rethink what we think we know and goes, you know, pushes back against the grain and makes you reanalyze things and puts in perspective that our understanding of the world could be wrong or misinterpreted. And there's much more to, to you know, to explore and understand. So um, I guess I'm, I'm already doing too much talking. Let's uh, for well, we'll jump right into it. For people who are listening who might not be familiar with the show that I uh, referenced, your background, any of that stuff, let people know who uh, Dave is. Sure. Well, first off, Ricky, I want to thank you so much, man, for even asking me to come on. When I got your email to come on, I was like, oh, I was like, sweet. Okay. That's that's the reason why uh, I, I wanted to make sure today was still happening because I was super excited. And the people that you have on your show are such a vast plethora of people. But before we get into all of that, um, my name is my real name is David Rossi. I've gone recently last few years since I've started the Generation Z podcast show as Dave Zed, sort of to try and give a bit more, um, I guess you could say, uh, leniency to the Gen, to the Gen Z crowd with respects to, you know, a lot of people say, oh, this generation, they're not, you know, they're always on TikTok or whatever. I think, sure, there are, you know, lazy individuals, absolutely. But at the same time, I think there's just a different type of learning experience that I think whether organically from a perhaps spiritual, esoteric, or even let's not go that far intuitive perspective that a lot of people my age are looking to learn about. Um, that's why I called the show that we go into everything from current global affairs to uh, politics, all the way to scientific research and development, all of that. But long story short, the last year, year and a half of my life, to be honest, took a very interesting turn because where I ended up now, I had no intent of ending up. So what happened was that I had started my show, Generation Z Podcast, but 
I started talking about the UAP UFO phenomenon, but then the more I pursued the subject, the more I realized that this phenomenon intertwined, in my opinion, at least I could be wrong, but in my humble opinion, with um, extrasensory perception, with psychology, with neurology, with the brain sciences, with the with uh, with the occult. So in other words, to me, at least to study the phenomenon was to study life itself. Um, but what happened essentially was that I'll tell you about a year ago, I started using the show as well more so on the member side on our patreon.com slash generation z to pursue more of the scientific aspects i said okay not everyone's interested in it so i'll kind of you know focus a bit more on the members end there and then i just started like i guess you could say self-teaching with the sciences and all of that uh, chemistry optics electrical engineering uh, quantum physics all of that and then I started just reading, 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 and then I said to myself, there's so much discussion and speculation, whether it's in the UFO community or otherwise, on what any type of, whether it's Bigfoot, whether it's Sasquatch, whether it's, um, you know, an, an extraterrestrial abduction, whether it's an out-of-body experience, I said, why not try and, I said to myself, why not try and pursue what could be needed to, to develop such in a practical sense? So long story short, I was messing around in, in a backyard with some stuff. It ended up working. Um, but then what happened was that I said to myself, I need to learn the theoretical side to fully to fully grasp it. So I, I say this in the most um, to your audience and yourself, the, the most humblest way possible and respectful way. At, at this point in time, essentially, I'm completely surrounded by uh, academics with respects to some of this stuff, because when I had turned this, I call it my generator version one, when I had turned it on many, many months ago, without knowing now I understand much more of it, but without knowing it basically set off a, an alarm or a ripple, if you will, sort of like an EMP does to a military base that was about 40 minutes from where I was staying at the time. And long story short, it started setting off all these alarms. And then after Basically, I kept turning the generator on and on again, and then off and on again. I started getting emails from people in military intelligence out of nowhere, like completely saying, hey, we like your show, this and that, yada, yada. And it, what was interesting about all of this was that I found that uh, particularly in the last six months, something, um, I guess you could say something flipped in me in the sense that I, I guess you could say for lack of a better term, I found my passion with respects to this particular area, which is not anti-gravity propulsion as much as it actually is consciousness but we'll get we'll get into that and so what i what started happening was people whether it was i i started you know making you know networking making friends and all of this and people started in the last four or five months reaching out to me privately and some of these people and currently i'm under nda with with all of them actually so i can't say their names but some of these people are in fact individuals from Hollywood, whether actors, singers, they would call me and they would say, you know, Dave, we, we've heard of your show. We like your show, but we're afraid of the stigma or the dogma publicly to discuss this kind of stuff. And I said, well, what stuff? They go, well, we think we were abducted. And I spoke to a couple in which spent over, I will say $700,000 of their own money to have an investigation into what happened to them. And they still could not find out what happened. So I said to myself, all right, I, I'm beginning to, you know, create, establish the network, both in the public domain and the podcasting sphere and within, albeit very carefully, the, the Department of Defense and other governments around the world. Essentially, I said, all right, maybe I should do something where, you know, I consult or something like this. So I opened a company called Salt LLC, Strategic Analysis and Assessment of Longitudinal Technologies. And since then, um, my main focus at this point actually is in... Um, Essentially, there are a lot of people at the very top that are looking 
to basically, for lack of a better term, it may sound crazy, but to those on the, I guess you could say, in the know, if you will, one doesn't have to be government. It's, um, there's a keen interest in storing consciousness, essentially, or at least being able to move it from one what's been, you know, body, container, vessel, you name it, to another. There, there's been a proposal or a hypothesis that we as spirits, if you will, may be plasma beings inside of a carbon container with respects to if you, for example, if I were to have, say, my legs cut off, my arms cut off and all of that, I'm still me. So the question is, what makes me me? What makes Ricky Ricky? You see what I'm saying? That's the ultimate question. And so then, you know, I started doing research mixed in with the science in which I had essentially by fluke of, of practical, you could say, I don't want to say engineering because I don't have any degree at all, but if, making stuff essentially cracked various forms of anti-gravity. But then I then went on the dark web and then I essentially... Um, did some stuff that substantiated even more of what I was doing and got certain groups and entities' attention and said, listen, either you disappear me or we play ball here. Because I do believe that some of this tech and knowledge can come out. Unfortunately, I will say that I, I see how and why a lot of it's been suppressed because it can be weaponized so easily. As simple as, for example, I'll tell you if, say, this pen, when it's in a vertical position, it can, you know, uh, cure cancers, let's say, which, the, the, in my opinion, the tech, there is tech that can do that. But then you turn it sideways, and then it becomes, say, a rail gun. This becomes the issue. It puts guns out of business. If you have a terrorist that gets a hold of this stuff, they put a localized force field around them, there's a big issue. Now, I know these are bold claims, but I will say as well that Everything that I do at this point behind the scenes and all that is with um, advisory committees and with the academics, you know, all of this stuff with respects to substantiating the science behind this. I'm of the humble opinion, if there's any potential secret um, UAP UFO development program, again, I would respectfully ask you and your audience to read between the lines. This is just my experience, my opinion. The UFO, in terms of cracking propulsion, that stuff was cracked World War II. The concern is much, is much larger than that, in my opinion. Um, dare I say that it's maybe perhaps even a spiritual concern. And what I mean by that is we see, for example, that when you one goes to watch a movie, let's say, and we go watch a movie and we see that there's a projector, which is a nuts and bolts physical object that is projecting light onto a projector for us to watch for our entertainment. I would dare to say that this reality is the other way around in the sense that light, what we would call light, is projecting something to earth in order to create a nuts and bolts product, if you will. And this goes back to, you know, Plato's allegory of the cave. This goes back to Plato's, you know, Atlantis, platonic solids, all of this. There's a, you know, if I have a coffee cup here, there's a perfect image of this cup or a perfect example of this cup in a metaphysical sense or in a universe where, or a reality that we are not in currently. So forgive me for the ramble, but essentially it went from very interestingly enough um, and graciously a podcast to suddenly getting into all of this. So, I mean, yeah, I, I will say, and I truthfully, I, I'm not saying it towards you, but um, people can call me crazy. I have zero, um, I have zero, uh, I guess you could say. Um, you can swear. Zero Fs. No, no, I, I, well, I give, I give zero fucks. I have no remorse in that regard. So I, it, you know, because here's the thing, it can be scientifically substantiated. And I do agree that as a matter of fact, this technology or underlying energy may be the same underlying energy that ancient cultures have discussed, whether it's 
what people recently call zero point energy. I know that's a big thing in Fortnite these days, whether it's what, um, for example, uh, Dr. Salvatore Paez, the UFO Navy patent guy, calls the super force. And this is not a jab or any disrespect to any of my religious friends, but dare I say this may in fact be from my personal experimentation, it, uh, the same underlying energy that perhaps Jesus Christ called the Holy Spirit with respects to merging the world of the very large and the world of the very small, the world of physics and metaphysics, this idea of creating a in what's in science known as a unified field theory or an answer to everything. Now, why? I mean, that opens up a lot of different, you know, doorways with respects to questions. Why would it be covered up? Why would it, you know, all of that? But long story short, um, I, I, you know, wrote, uh, I presented to multiple departments uh, of multiple areas of the Department of Defense in, in the United States, some, some, in, you know, person, some digitally, this and that, um, multiple governments from around the world. All these governments have this stuff. Um, some of it should, a, a good chunk of it should come out, in my opinion. Uh, there is some that I think will actually make people go a little bit cuckoo. And I'm not, I'm, I, I will be fair, even including myself, because I'm not one to talk. But I would say that there is, um, this stuff should come out for many, many, in many different regards, or at least a good chunk of it should. Where, where do I start? Yeah. Uh, one, the, the weapons thing that that's very fascinating. Uh, it, it's also understandable. That's always something that I've thought about is that if the government did have some type of technology that we could utilize or um, manipulate whatever things or whatever it may be, uh, mm -hmm. of course, it would eventually, if not immediately, be used for some some type of uh, weapon or some, you know, terrorism or whatever it may be. So right. that's always a concern, of course. And I think initially we think, oh, technology is suppressed because there's markets, there's um, businesses, and they want to milk that cow as long as they can. And new technology would put those uh, businesses uh, basically bankrupt. Yeah. But it also, you know, when you think about how advanced some of this technology could be, obviously you have to jump to, to that weapon conclusion, you know, of like, okay, well, maybe that's the, the fear is really just it being used as a weapon. Tesla, I, I believe that, you know, even Randall Carlson talked about it, like that was a concern of his. It's funny how a lot of this mystery, mysterious stuff that revolves around Tesla, like I know him trying to talk to people from other planets, um, all you know, uh, free energy, uh, all, you, the fact that all his documents were, were taken from uh, by the C CIA and, and whatnot, or FBI, which whichever one, and you know, all this stuff, you start connecting all these dots. That's the kind of the fun thing about doing these podcasts and also the fun thing of being a researcher and a curious person in general, because I think that's kind of what came first is like, you're a curious person. Then you start researching. Then you're like, let me start a podcast and, and expand yep. curiosity uh, is that you find these puzzle pieces and they don't necessarily, you don't know where they fit, but you keep them. And then eventually you find, oh, if it's here and you know, the Tesla thing, same thing right like it's like why why would they raid him why would they put him out of business why well, would i could uh, sort of cut you off i could say that some of the things that i'm working on with right now with with some people that um some private groups that i'm working with to try and get some of this stuff into the 
international peer-reviewed literature publicly because the the usually it's you know you get it into the literature publicly the scientists take a couple years to even more to suture it you know to get the methodology correct of the theory they then translate it to the engineers it goes commercial then it goes consumer to market so some of the people that i'm working with in that regard to get some of my papers that that i've um, done for DOD into the global peer-reviewed literature have expressed the same thing, uh, same concern in that regard. And I'm not trying to justify this as a reason why it should stay hidden. But at the same time, the unfortunate thing is that I'm of the humble opinion. And again, I am not saying I have cracked the way. I'm saying I've cracked a set of ways. There may be some other people out there that have cracked various forms of it in different ways that I have not, to be fair. Um, what I mean by that is essentially, if you want to call it anti-gravity zero-point energy, but the issue is, brother, is that I'm of the humble opinion when you crack what's called anti-gravity and you understand it conceptually, and then you, one understands how to even write the equations and then apply it in an engineering sense, you crack the rest. What do I mean by the rest? This is where it may sound a bit bold, but it can be scientifically substantiated, but it's just been hidden in the literature. Um, you, you crack By cracking anti-gravity, you are tapping that same energy, that same underlying substrate of telekinesis, stargates, uh, being able to see into various points in time, what we would call the future, the, the past, you name it, perhaps even different realities, walking through portals to other ends of the planet, um, you name it. And again, it it's probably possible. And what I found quite peculiar was someone whom I, I admire and regard very highly, Dr. Hal Pudoff, had said something about a year and a half ago where he said at a conference, I, he goes, I think we should put the science aside for the while, a while. In my interpretation, he was alluding to the confinement in STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, a very confined sort of set of ways that people abide by rules they abide by that if one questions outside of that box, it's my gosh, you know, you're, you're get, get out of my face type thing. But I, what, I, what stood out to me was when he said, we should forget the science for a while and leave all possibilities on the table in, until there's enough data to take them off the table. The, and usually an investigator, a researcher, even a scientist, they start with a metaphorically clean slate, an empty table, and they put things on that table when there's enough data to put it on the table. This time, it's the other way around at least with respects to some of these scientists whom largely their work has been classified. So again, it, it, to me, that's telling. So, but I, I completely 100% hear what you're saying. It's, um, it, it's, a, it's a slippery slope right now. And if I may say as well, I agree with Randall Carlson when he says plasmoids having to do with implosion instead of explosion. Um, that, and when he said that it's been, it's been uh, matured, absolutely. In my opinion, at 100%. I'm, um, I'm, that's why I'm pursuing something, I guess you could say, larger in that regard with respects to if I, there are a lot of people that are looking on, I guess you could say, there are some people that are looking on for how to die properly. Uh, for example, I know this may sound ridiculous, but I'll just give a, a, an out there example. You have WikiLeaks, um, the Hillary Clinton email where she wanted the body of Gilgamesh dropped at, you know, uh, Area 51, Groom Lake. Again, it's it's there. It's never been discredited, but it's just been completely ignored. Um, you have people, for example, that are looking to induce perhaps certain memories, very similar to that of the total recall concept. You have people that are looking to uh, take something organic or natural or have a state induced in a concealed room or pod or something where 
five minutes go by in the real world, but they just had a one year vacation in that pod. Because if one can manipulate the idea of, I guess you could say, sorry, I got, I got, I got to watch my words here, but time by manipulating time, you can manipulate space and therefore the perception of that relative to you as the local observer. And this speaks to, dare I say, simulation theory and what we call the reality or this reality at the very least. So um, that, that, that's where I would go in that regard. So, I mean, it's, yeah, like, I mean, for example, I'd be more than happy to show you at some point in our episode, what I showed on the Union of the Unwanted, a um, Department of Defense slide on demons, the way that they operate. Uh, for example, if we have a stack of 10 books, books, uh, book one, starting at the bottom, going up to 10 at the top, we live in a world where you and I are only experiencing, observing book number 10 at the top. And everything like this water bottle is only, we are observing, sensing, my body is now sending, we could say electromagnetic pulses through my nerves to my, to the neurons in my brain that are saying, you're holding this water bottle. You are seeing this bottle on the camera, therefore it must be quote unquote real because we are both seeing it. But the question then becomes, if I remove the bottle from you seeing it and I put it behind my, say for example, like this behind my head where none of us can see it, is it really still there? And I'm not saying I have the answer, but what's interesting about these slides of which I obtained is that what we, what we could call ghosts, Sasquatch, demons, you name it, are beings that exist on the lower stack of books, book nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, and they run, they jump up to book 10 when they want to create and effectuate a change in our reality. So this would imply as well, you know, that as Tesla claimed, there was an ether. I would agree very strongly. So that, that's where, that's where I go with that. Yeah. So it sounds like almost if there was a, uh, apartment complex or a hotel and there's floors, right. And it's like, there could be people on lower floors, but you're on the top floor and you're right. just not aware and you don't see them, but they're there. And, you know, so yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. The thing is like all, all these concepts, like I remember back in the day watching a documentary plan obsolescence, you know, when you look at all the technology that's been suppressed, you look at like the, and this is just like not, not very hard to believe stuff. This is like, you know, the trolley car conspiracy, right? When, when the GM and Firestone bought all the trolley cars and, and, um, you, you use a front company and then pushed, uh, you know, uh, PVTA buses. And then you look at like the light bulb conspiracy, you know, to how light bulbs kept progressing and they could, they were lasting a long time. And then they all, all the companies got together and said, Hey, we have to uh, make them last less time. So, and then we can make more money and all this stuff. And I think it was also the, what was it the iPhone or, uh, the I something was something by, by Apple that like would, uh, I think within a, a year they would all fail and then they got sued by somebody and then the papers were released in court and it showed yeah. that it was uh, designed to do that. And, and then um, you look at uh, documentaries like gas hole and, uh, and also the documentary pump, which I had an automotive engineer from uh, that documentary on, which you see in, 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 you know, in, in car technology and engine right. technology, how the, in, with very little modifications, you can make any car run off ethanol, how the diesel engine was designed to run off peanut um, uh, uh, peanut oil and vegetable oil. And uh, so all these, all, and then I think the, in, 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 um, initially like the fastest uh, land car was a electric car back in the early 1900s, something like yeah. that. So it was, it, you know, all this stuff. So you see like 
you see, like you start con con uh, connecting the dots and, and gathering the pieces like, OK, obviously there's been some uh, technology suppression throughout history, stuff that's very believable, stuff that's very. So now you start taking that in consideration. And then you look at people like, like I, I mentioned before, Dr. Ruber Sheldrick, who pushes the boundaries on what we understand about consciousness and memory and all these things. Then you take somebody like Dr. Uh, Thomas Cowan, and, and not just him, but there's many other people who, who make us rethink what water is. And if there's a, some type of consciousness or um, something to it, you know, you see all those experiments about staring at water or playing music while freezing it. And then based on how you feel when you're uh, looking at it or what type of music you're playing, the crystals will, will uh, freeze differently and, and get new images. So all, yeah. this all pushes the boundaries on what we understand. Then you look at, like we said, like you look at Tesla and then this all kind of makes you think also, okay, what about the cold? What about the Freemasons? Like the Freemasons always seem to have this understanding of, of mathematics. And there's all this, uh, the, the same numbers will, will pop up in, in different, um, you know, just holy books and, and ancient uh, civilizations. And you wonder if there was some type of mathematics or, something that that they understood that some code that was broken to to that to understand the world in a way that we don't understand it and which is only the only explanation i, I can come up with when you look at the pyramids and all these other ancient um places that we we have now you know graham hancock and randall carlson are really pushing the boundaries in regards to how old some of these things are but also like the the pyramids, you know how perfect they are, and there's still not a a realistic logical explanation on how they built them. So, you know, all this. My point is like all these things seem separate, but they really aren't, right? They're they're all to your to your point. There are what I can say is that there are academic papers on restricted government servers, not just in North America, that definitively state that there have been not there's there have been dare I say even. Um, we could say, for example, what's what we now call quantum communication, which a lot of people don't even know what that means. And I don't blame them whatsoever because it's so deliberately freaking vague. But this idea of telekinesis, whether with a chip in the brain or otherwise, in a more organic sense, there are papers on restricted servers that literally discuss and talk about how the ancients had it. And it's uh, perhaps we may be a species that are, and I, I agree with this humbly, but we are a species rediscovering the same underlying, we could say, energies, if you will. Now, I also want to mention that, in my opinion, there's a very significant difference between science and technology, a very, very significant difference. We have, for example, in the sciences, we have things like alchemy, right? We have things like, for example, uh, people would call it, you know, perhaps witchcraft. Um, I don't mean to allude to stigmatize any one particular label here. But for example, if we look at, um, let's say, even the like you were saying, the Freemasons, I will say that there's definitely something there, uh, because the science substantiates it. Now, I, I pulled up a paper here, not to um, just to show you and your audience to make a point, essentially. And I, the point I want to make is to show the deliberate, in my opinion, complication in the academic community in order to butcher this stuff so people don't crack it so unfortunately don't to your audience not to worry you guys don't have to worry about this stuff but these are some equations i know just my writing is terrible but these are some equations that i've been running and the, the this stuff is not in my humble opinion this stuff is not particularly needed the equations i'm not trying to take a jab at anyone that's actually genuinely progressed the sciences but 
what we see is a butchering in academia of chemistry, optics, engineering of various kinds, electrical, ceramic, electronics, engineering, um, physics, propulsion. So, you know, if you're you're a chemist, Ricky, and I'm a, I'm a physics guy. Oh, you know, Ricky, you're instead of actually saying in a genuinely good faith way, you know, Ricky, sir, what do you think about this this particular paper, for example? You may know something or see something that I'm missing. Instead of having those conversations, it's ad hominem attacks, emotional uh, attacks. Oh, screw you. You're, you're a chemist. Stay in your lane. I'm a physicist. I'm of the humble opinion we need to have all slices of that pizza come together or else this is not going to get cracked. And that's why I think as well it's being so deliberately hidden. Um and then those that do crack it either disappear or somehow skirt their way into being able to, you know, to take advantage of it, of which I'm trying to do, but also reciprocate that in a benevolent fashion to, to the masses. I think that we can do much better than people starving on streets, 100%. I think we need to be able to lift everybody up. I think there's enough money for everyone to, to be happy. I think that the greed has gone far too far along the line, and um, this has to stop. So, again, if... Um, I am pushing it a bit, but that's that's the point of why I'm even doing this. So, you know, one one person asked me after a presentation, uh, someone from a representing a certain group said, you know, you're not you're not afraid of, you know, if anything might happen to you. They were not threatening me. They were just asking. I looked them dead in the eye and I go. And again, people can call me crazy. I said, I can do more damage outside of my body than in it. So kill me. Because it, and then they all they kind of got a little bit spooked because dare I say, in my humble opinion, the simulation theory um, may be, or this video game idea may be a little more on the money than people, than some may think. Now I could be wrong. I'm only speaking on behalf of what I've seen in laboratories, experiments, and what I've done myself in, in you know, some papers with respects to modeling and things like that. But yeah, yeah, that's where I, that's right. And oh, sorry, one last thing, if I may say, to give your audience an example of how perhaps tapping some of this energy works, because if people say, okay, Dave, if you could tap it, where does it come from? Well, this is when science and magic sort of become intertwined, if you will. And I think it also speaks to a philosophical angle, but I'll get to that in a moment. So imagine you're washing the dishes in your kitchen and you're, you're done washing the dishes and you squeeze the sponge and all the water comes out of the sponge as you squeeze it and let it go then squeeze it again right you're pulsing the sponge imagine the water coming out of that sponge is actually coming from a whole other house it's not coming from inside the sponge it's coming out of the sponge and the sponge is acting as a medium or doorway to let it in but it's the water itself is coming from someone else's sink entirely if that may make sense now how that's the case, unfortunately, I can't elaborate, but the reason I bring this up, Ricky, is because this is one of the things that I find to be one of the most, dare I say, enlightening uh, situations, which is that the more I learn, the more freaking questions I have, man, which to me speaks to the joy is in the journey. This idea of, okay, it be, it's magic until it can be uh, substantiated with data, so then it's science, but then you discover more uh, unexplained things within that science and it keeps going and going and going, right? This is why some have said, well, there can't be a theories of everything because within those theories, there's theories within those and you, it's fractal. One must keep pursuing it. Well, I think we've cracked privately a theory of everything for this reality. I can't say for outside of this reality, but th that's that's where, I, that's where I go with that. I think um, a lot, of, I, I think a lot of people also, 
you know, this idea of when someone's in line for that new iPhone or, you know, someone's in line for that new uh, purse or Victoria's Secret uh, lingerie or whatever. A lot of times the pursuit of the product is more ideological, ideologically thrilling than when they actually get the product. They have to convince themselves in some cases when they purchase the product. Yeah, no, it was worth that wait in line. When in reality, this speaks to the idea of marketing. People are pursuing an idea more than the product itself. I'm not saying that's always the case, but with respects to higher, you know, higher brand products, it's, I think it's the same concept. Hence why I say to study the phenomenon is to study life, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and what you're talking about, you're referring to Edward Bernays and his tactics of, uh, you know, subconsciously getting you to want something. And, um, you know, one of my uh, favorite bands growing up was Hatebreed and they had an album called Satisfaction is the Death of Desire. And I remember always like, thinking about that satisfaction is the death of desire. I'm like, he's right. And so it makes you think like, okay, that kind of makes sense when you think about the journey being more important than the destination, because once you're satisfied, desire is gone and desire is what keeps us going and wanting. So, you know, that's what basically that saying means is satisfaction is the death of desire it kind of uh, puts in perspective the fact that like desire, you know, that once you're satisfied, desire is gone and, and that's with everything. So it's like the longer you can hold on to that desire, the more, the longer you're going to want those things. Um, but, you know, one thing I love that you were saying, and I remember talking, this is something I used to talk about back in the day with uh, when Doug, Douglas Ruskoff was coming on from time to time. And this idea, and I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Douglas, he wrote President and a bunch of stuff but he uh he also has a very similar philosophy as you and i would i tend to agree with him and and i i like the, this idea i know we live in a world now where it's like everything's political and everything's looked at from a political lens so saying this will sound like we're, we're a bunch of socialists uh big government idiots but you know this idea that technology uh could basically in, instead of right now it's it's enslaving us but it could um, we, it could be used to, to, to free us in, in regards to like work, doing things that, uh, don't necessarily need to be done by humans and, and, you know, labor jobs, um, you know, and when you look at like humans just evolving, uh, and of course, you know, we'll get into you know, if they've, if that involvement is one straight line or if there's a line, then explosion, and then we start over and whatever, but. But uh, you look at humans evol evolving, like, you know, the whole idea of, of of technology was to give us more free time, right? Like we created a better tool so we could kill the animal faster or catch the animal faster. We created a faster vehicle to get from uh, A to B uh, quicker. Um, you know, we created planes so we could travel faster and, all, you know, all these things. And it's like all this. And, and when you have free time, there is a, um, you know, I've said this before with Dr. Jessica Rose and she's like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, this, um this idea of leisure, right? The the importance of, of leisure time and the importance of downtime, because that's when you think. And the whole point of technology advancing was to give us more thinking time, right? Like more time to ponder, more time to be curious, more time to, to, to question things and wonder about things. And, um, and you, you see that throughout history where it's like, okay, when we spend less time hunting and gathering, that's when we start coming up with, you know, these other philosophies and, and these thinkers and poetry and all this stuff. And now we're almost re retracting where we're going in the opposite direction. We're like, now we, we should have unlimited amount of time to ponder and think 
and question the nature of the universe and consciousness and reality. And instead, we're, you know, we're, we're enslaved by the, the, the same technology. So I love this idea of like, okay, we should expect more out of the world. I mean, this guy almost reminds me of like the Venus Project back in the day, and um, you know, uh, um, and Peter Joseph with the Zeitgeist movement, and and really like this idea of like kind of using technology to make the world a better place, and um, and and I think we're capable of it. We're capable of more. Uh, I I always say, and I I, I defend your generation quite often um, with Thanks. conversations with people because I you know I was born in Portugal. And a lot of the Europeans that came to America, they're very hardworking. They came here, they worked their ass off. And financially, they did get ahead, right? But mm -hmm. they they lost a lot of things. There was a sacrifice that was lost in that process. And that sacrifice was you lost the free time with your, you know, time with your friends, time with your family. Um, you know, you lost that leisure time. You lost, you know, some of that. And so you have more material wealth, but are you happier? And you know, that's a, a huge thing. And when I look at Europeans, Western Europeans, you know, uh, go back to Portugal. Yeah, I have family that doesn't work. You know, they don't have uh, as many ones and zeros in the bank account. They might not have um, a big house. They might not even own a house or a car, but they're happier. So it's like, OK, what's progress? You know, and um, so I, I, I tend to have this idea that like we're, we're kind of tricked into believing that like work is always good regardless if it's fulfilling if it achieves anything um if it makes you happy that just works always good you know you look at like the younger generation and uh or, or even your generation because i know a lot of people who are looking to hire people and they're like oh young people don't want to work on weekends young people don't want to you know and i'm like well what's more valuable than time you you've been brainwashed and believing the most valuable thing is money so when somebody doesn't want to work on weekends for that money, you look at it as like, what's wrong with this person? They're lazy. Well, what if they figured out that all the people who were pursuing money their whole lives are now divorced and on antidepressants and are unhappy because they're looking for happiness in the wrong place? And what's more valuable is having that weekend. Even if you don't have any plans, just having that weekend to decide to go do something or maybe decide to do nothing. And but either way, you know, not being a slave to some corporate machine that is just trying to, you know, take all the best years of your life and all your energy and all your time. And yet, you know, are probably at, at the end aren't going to be really grateful for all the time invested in, in their business. So it's like to me, it's just a different perspective. It's a different way of looking the world i don't look at you uh and, and don't get me wrong i'm sure there's plenty of examples of lazy people but sure. there's lazy people at my age at 37 you know i'm, I'm 85 baby uh there's but I, I don't think the the vast majority of people um you know your age or younger who's or who are jumping into the workforce and you know they're they don't want to work not because they're lazy but maybe because they just don't value money the same way when we were growing up if i wanted access to information if i wanted access to music movies any entertainment i needed money it required money so it it, it ended up building this worldview or you know where it's like okay i respect money i need money because even though um you know it's not it's not money itself that I, um, i'm desiring it's just an ends you know um means to an end like it gets me the thing i want so right. you you know having this respect for it and wanting it 
and people grew up in that world. Now people are growing up in the world where like I have access, like you, you said you like you're you don't have a PhD in any of these things, but you can talk to PhDs and hold a conversation with just about anybody because you have access to all the information, you have access to movies, uh lectures, um, all this stuff. You know, where before universities had a monopoly on 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 uh education and, and and information because if you couldn't afford to go to the university, you're fucked. You didn't have um, access to these professors or books or whatever, but now that's not the case. And, um, you know, you basically can be as curious as you want and be learn from the experts anytime you want to listen to any music you want. So you grew up in a world where it's like, okay, why am I going to enslave myself and work 80 hours a week to, to get money when all the things that make me happy that, you know, I can get from free Wi-Fi at Starbucks, you know? So it's like, to, to me, it's, it's, it's a different worldview and i forget what the hell my point was on this long ramp but feel free well, to expand on it by the way i did also make you co-host so if you ever want to share screen oh sure thank you yeah absolutely um so in other words to your point of what you're saying if i, I actually wanted to write some things down because you're making some fantastic points if i may say for those interested in the more nerdy science into your audience if i may recommend a paper by gina mondini and S. Ezio Gagliardi called DNA modification via remote intent, implying that ex laboratory experiments have been done, not just theoretical, but legitimate. Also work has been done by someone by the name of Mr. Dean Radin, where this idea of intent changing the local environment around you relative to what people would call manifestation, for example. Now, we can take it one step further when we when we could talk about, you know, people have claimed to stood, uh, stand in, in the same vicinities as certain people and, you know, cancers are cured and things like that. That's more of the, I guess you could say, um, perhaps uh, out there stuff. But the, the, the main concept here ultimately is that, to your point, Ricky, it's not, uh, there are always going to be lazy people. But to me, it's this idea of, for example, money can always be made, but time, cannot be take, brought back. Now, that's actually, to tell you the truth, that, that's one of the things I'm working on at, at, with what I'm doing with SALT, where preserving time relative to one's perception, because if time is something that is perceived only relative to us as an individual, then could that be, and this may not be the most appropriate word, but could that be manipulated for that individual's benefit, for example, right? So that's what I'm working on with respects to that. But to your point about money, this concept of, you know, self-reliance, decentralization and all of that, it's very similar to this idea of, well, okay, if we, if there are a set of individuals at the top that run the world, and I'm summarizing here, whether it's, you know, with oil, pharmaceuticals, you name it, God forbid people have time to sit at home and think about what they love, what they want to do with their lives. God forbid. It's always, no, no, honey, I got to, you know. I got to go pay the bills and I got to get to work and this and that. And you're always rushing somewhere, but you're never getting to the place that you want to be, whether literally or metaphorically. You know, for example, I have some friends, uh, family friends, they say, you know, to, to me and my family, you know, Dave, uh, mortgage, uh, we, a mortgage paid off, a nice cottage, about to retire pension, but something is not missing here in the head. Something's missing here. They don't know what it is. Now, dare I say, that is what we could call spiritual, but I don't mean that we have to become, oh, all, you know, love and light and this and that. What I mean essentially is that, for example, when people say, oh, Dave, you know, this esoteric spiritual stuff is nonsense. I will say humbly, and I could be wrong, but every avenue that I take with respects to studying various forms of the literature academically in every subject of the sciences and the mathematics, whether it's from the 1700s or whether it's from this month, the different pursuits or avenues I take when I try and run the equations, when I try and use different um, 
functions, operators, you name it, whether it's with Richard, Dr. Richard Feynman's papers, Dr. Hal Pudoff's papers, uh, for example, Sir Roger Penrose's papers, Nicholas Gisson's papers um, out of uh, University of Geneva, Switzerland. It all comes back to that same example in my interpretation, at least. And I try and interpret in various ways, but it seems to come back to that same example of light is creating something that we call nuts and bolts. It is making certain other light, we could say particle fluctuations, oscillate or vibrate so quickly, it makes up what we call a physical product, if you will. Now, the reason I bring all of that up is because it's this idea of, for example, speaking of intent, we see that people talk about, you know, um, okay, if spirituality is completely nonsense. Well, we now know, for example, that, you know, plasma right? Or ball lightning, things like this are things that in, okay, in the literature, they've come to light in the last handful of years, to be fair, but it's largely been suppressed or ignored. Or again, if it cannot be debunked, it will just be a, the person, the author of the paper will be attacked. So for example, there's a paper out of the Ukraine Institute of Electron Physics called SGME, slightly generalized Maxwell equations. The paper was attacked, but not the equations. My whole thing is don't get emotional and we know it's deliberate, but don't get emotional, don't attack, disprove and calculate that it is wrong. Show in the data that it's wrong. But God forbid they actually do that because then people at home will start to think and go, hold on a second. If this in this particular paper, it shows this, that implies perhaps that certain, I, sorry, I got to be vague here, certain things publicly are not actually the things that are being claimed to generate certain forms of power. And so that would imply that the people having the jobs to maintain such facilities, for example, are working for what, right? Now, the, the question then becomes, okay, if people then go home and spend time thinking, like Einstein said, I think 99 times and nothing comes to me. I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he goes, I silence my brain and then all the answers come. While silencing the brain, like you said, to your point of leisure, relaxation, this idea of going for a walk in the woods. Do we think it's a, a coincidence that many of these individuals with money, not necessarily billionaires, but individuals with money who don't need to work a nine to five, spend a lot of time thinking, spend a lot of time going to what has been known as, you know, think tanks? Is it a coincidence that, again, let's just take a look at the fact that billionaires spend tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars a year on think tanks. And what are they? They're people in rooms thinking of different perspectives of the same methodology and strategy and how it could be applied. But unfortunately, it's being applied for the largely for the worst of things, um, I would say. Now, with that said, I, this speaks to the idea of, you know, bell-shaped curve, this idea of, you know, creating, um, you always have um, uh, people that scamper the curve, right? Now, unfortunately, from my experience, Things seem to be changing, but I don't want to say, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a glass half full guy, but at the same time, I got to be realistic. There, Within the scientific community and elsewhere, it, be, it, it comes down to upsetting people's rice bowls. Simple as that. And they don't want their rice bowls upset. Simple. If I, What if I told you, um, uh, Ricky, that the stuff that I'm working on is not anything that I, I'm not unique to cracking it, that perhaps the method may be a little bit unique relative to our modern timeline, but not the underlying energy itself. That stuff's been cracked, I would dare to say, since the 18, 1800s, scuttled by, you know, covered up by bankers, things like this, private interests, you name it. But what's interesting about all of this is that we are being told to give value to something, in this case, money, that we are then being told to disbelieve when applied anywhere else. 
Now, the question then becomes, let's think about that for a moment. What You may say, Dave, what do you mean by that? Well, let's really think, what is the difference between, for example, imagination and intent? People say, well, Dave, imagining I'm thinking of something. Wait a minute. Hold on. Don't you have to think to give value to money? So what's the difference? We are giving value to something in which we are being told when applied anywhere else is complete nonsense. You can't give, you know, God forbid this, this pen is given value that I can then give to you in a form of payment because it is not controlled by certain entities, right? So it speaks to this idea of a potential decentralization of things. Now, one last thing to, to wrap up my, my little ramble here is that, you know, a lot of people talk about, this was the part that I, I forgot to finish my come full circle on. People talk about, well, spirituality is not real, this and that. Listen, I, I respect everyone's opinion. And they're, again, for example, say you and I, Ricky, we go for a, a, a walk somewhere and you see a, a UFO in the sky or and you see a triangular craft. I see it in the same spot, but I see a square or a cube. Who's wrong or who's right? Neither but both. It depends where you are viewing it from. Now, this idea of spirituality, I say to people, well, you believe in lasers, right? They go, yeah. I go, you believe in carbon monoxide, right? They go, of course. You can't touch it, but it's, you know it's there. You see what I'm saying? Now, if that could then be observed in a laboratory and substantiated with data, changes the game a little bit. So that's what I'm trying to do with respects to salt. Again, trying to take some of this... Um, public in, in in that regard now again not it, it's it's tough but i'm trying so it's um it, it's one of those things where for example this idea of decentralization where again people um i i allude quite often to the subreddit r slash i think anti-work where for example i'm sure there, there may be you know lazy people in that subreddit but the idea that you know a bunch of people come together and say hey you know, we may not all have money or a lot, you know, we may not be wealthy, but collectively we got something. So I'm going to loan you a couple thousand dollars, for example, because, you know, someone may be having some issues and people will say, you know, pay me back in a few months from now. I'm not saying that is what is occurring on that subreddit, but that's the idea, ideally, in my opinion. Now, what happens if you have even just a millionaire come in with a couple million dollars and say, hey, I'm going to help all of you. There, there's, there goes the need for property taxes. There goes the need for reliance on government. God forbid we have that, right? So it's kind of like, in my opinion, like the trucker protest as well. We see now what's coming out with respects. I don't mean to get political, but with respects to, uh, as a Canadian, with respects to what's being released um, uh, with in the hearings now and all of that. And we see that there didn't seem to be any indication of terrorism or anything like this. This idea of people simply questioning, why am I doing this? What, what, there's something more to this reality, to this life. Why am I getting up every day constantly, for example, like a robot over and over again, doing the same things. And I only have two days of the week. Okay. Maybe one day I spend with the family. The other day I spend, you know, doing chores for, for my you know parents or fr friends or something like this. I got three hours a week to myself. I deserve more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this, this is, in my opinion, this is the problem. I think there's a way that some of this technology and knowledge can come out and can also be monetized in a way that is not overly greedy, but so that everyone literally and metaphorically eats. And I think that it can, I, I hope it can be done. So that's, that's, that's my, that's where I come from in that regard. And I'm not saying to people, you know, Hey, just because, you know, la lasers exist and they're observable and we know they're real you got to suddenly believe in ghosts. No, no, no. What I'm saying here to both you, sir, and to your audience is not to believe a word that I say, just be open to it. That's it.
that's it. Just be open to it. Just being open to things that that's all it's about. It's not about saying, okay, yeah, I got my earphones here. There's, you know, two, two, two earphones hanging here. It has to be just two. Maybe you see four. Who the hell am I to say that's wrong? When people say they see things with the corner of their eyes, some people say they saw Sasquatch. Uh, another person says, I saw what looked like a gray alien in the same spot that you saw the Sasquatch. It's the science seems to show just like the dual slit experiment. Reality is only as real as the observer as the person observing it. And that, that, that um, I, I would liken that quite strongly to, to, to again, what emerging the world of, I guess you could say physics and metaphysics, but if you'll give me a moment, I do want to pull up for you a couple slides. I'd love to share with your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Without a doubt. I mean, that that's the thing. That's what I why I'm always attracted to people like yourself and, and you know, uh, Rupert Sheldrake and, and somebody. And it's funny how just like throughout all of history and, and they, you know, they say history repeats. And if it doesn't repeat it, it at least rhymes throughout history. Like anybody who's ever had a really uh, amazing breakthrough that really made people rethink things usually gets called a crazy person. And Rupert Sheldrake gets called pseudoscience. I think I, I, I went on his Wikipedia once and I'm like, Pseudo, pseudoscience? I'm like, this guy has actual experiments showing that if you teach mice this um, this maze and, uh, and mice in other locations, different locations that were never exposed to this maze and never exposed to those other mice uh, are learning the maze faster. Just be, And that's, that's the thing. Like, just because we don't understand um, how it's it's happening doesn't mean there's not a explanation. We just haven't discovered it yet. You know, um, like you talked about historically, when you did not, we always try to find meat or, or understanding uh, for things. So it's like when we didn't understand thunder and lightning, we said, oh, it was some God who was angry. You know, it's like that was our explanation because of our lack of understanding. So there's a lot of things, you know, the placebo effect, there's all all these things, consciousness, uh, whatever the soul may be. Uh, there's all these things that we might, we might have not scientifically found out a way to um, explain it, but it doesn't mean that it can't at some point, as our understanding expands, we can't scientifically explain it. It doesn't mean that it's all just natural. Everything that is scientific at some point was considered supernatural. You know, it's right. Yep. I, I well, this exactly. This speaks to what has been. You know, uh, our ancestors have said. You know, um, the caduceus is the movement is life. You know, computer scientists are now hypothesizing that the transition. Uh, we could say string. Or we could, yeah, the transition string from one information node or energy nodal point, excuse me, to another is more significant than the node that it is going to next. Because once you get to that node, what's next? Once you buy that new iPhone after a couple of days, it's like, all right, sure. You know, it's, it's like, okay, whatever. So to your point, it's that concept of, of exploration and I don't claim to have all the answers whatsoever. As a matter of fact, to tell you the truth, Ricky, the more I'm, as I said, the more I'm learning, every time I solve an equation or, for example, I, you know, uh, do something in an engineering sense or I make an adjustment to one of my generators here, it's like, okay, hold on. How did that happen? And to, that is unexplainable until it can be explained. So that's the point. Um which speaks to the idea of, you know, duality and, and binary and all of that. And right before I share some slides, it speaks to something as well, where I think science without philosophy is like a, a, a plant without water or a seed without water. They have to go hand in hand. Not that, not because I want them to, 
but because at least to this point in time, and I would be glad to come on your show at some point in time to say, Ricky, I fucked up. I'm completely wrong. But at some point in time, there seems to be an intermergence between the two. The point of, I, I would dare to say what we call disagreements may in fact be multiple perspectives of a varying subjective reality, which speaks to Hegel's dialectic. So that is uh, synthesis, uh, excuse me, antithesis, thesis, and then down the middle synthesis, right? This idea of the mergence or balance of the two, right? So with that said, if I may, to make some direct correlations to uh, Randall Carlson on Rogan with plasma, we see here a giant coil around a 12 foot long plasma tube. Now, a lot of people talk about, you know, the number 12 being significant uh, esoterically, archetypally in an occult sense, you know, the um, 12 strand DNA, things like this. So essentially, I, I will be honest with you, I have, I've had to crop some of the slides because I, so for some, for various reasons, I can't show all of it publicly. But essentially, this was all the way back in the 50s where people would lie under, underneath this particular plasma tube and their cancers would be cured, which goes back to this idea of what we were saying before of books one to 10. If we are living in the reality of book 10 and our cells, for example, I'm not a, just to be clear, not a doctor, but, and our cells are, you know, not well, what if one could, for example, take the cell and then as what Dr. James Giordano and his colleagues out of uh, DARPA have claimed at Naval War College with respects to if it's stackable, it's hackable. Well, okay, that's, I, I don't think that's just digital. So if we can take a cell, a cancer cell and stack on top of it, a, a healthy one, on book 10, and then that cancer cell doesn't even go to book nine, eight, seven, six, all the way to one, it just gets thrown out of the stack of books. Technically, you've, you've cured whatever issue or one had. Um, I also think as well, I, I don't mean to speak on behalf of all individuals, because there are many variables to this. But what some have claimed to be, you know, uh, bipolar disorder, ADHD, schizophrenia, autism, uh, Asperger's, all of this, I think in some of those cases, perhaps more than what many may regard to be, to be, you know, accurate. Those are individuals in which may in fact be what some have called omnipresent. They are meant to, I guess you could say, do multiple things at once, even outside of this reality, except we are being limited in a, again, this speaks to much more of a grander, if you will, superstructure of things, but the idea that we may be limited within a confined state. And so speaking of confined state, here is the other slide that I have with respects to this idea from the Department of Defense. And again, if it's such nonsense, I don't know why the DOD has it. But again, to be fair, to play devil's advocate against myself, they do, um, are, they do dump a bunch of money into stuff that does not pan out as well, to be fair. But we see here, for example, participants in a quantum potential share a common multiply connected space-time. And we see, for example, that individuals seem to be within this ring of, you know, what we call, I guess you could say, Earth or a reality, but it connects back to what's labeled here. I, I, I did have to crop it because of what's underneath it, but what's connected back to what's called a source station. Now, this in many regards could be, I don't mean to fear monger. This could be what some people say, my, is it the Saturn moon matrix? I, I don't know. But ultimately, it seems to speak to an idea that we as observers are the source of our own reality. And if I may say, before I, I finish rambling here, um, this, uh, for example, say we are on the ground of the planet and we see a plane in the sky, very far high up. The farther the plane is, the more flat it is to us, right? The closer the plane, 
the more depth it has, the more we can interact with it. If this water bottle was a kilometer away, to me, it's a flat bottle until I walk up to it and then grab it and then it becomes interactable. Dare I say that is what perhaps UAP, the UAP phenomena and other paranormal events, including Sasquatch, Bigfoot, etc., could be harnessing amongst the plethora of other methods as well. I'm not saying that is the only way, but it speaks to this idea that if even a, a scientist is in his laboratory and he's trying to create, say, he's trying to create, you know, a free energy that becomes indiscernible from magic in the sense that there's depth. What do I mean by that? Well, imagine, um, a, I'll give an example for the ladies in the audience here. You go out and you have your purse with you and you forget, you say, oh crap, you know, I forgot something back at home in, in the bedroom. You reach into your purse while you're say at a coffee shop with friends and you reach and you open your purse. And as you look in, you see your bedroom and you can reach into the purse and grab whatever you need in the bedroom and then pull it back out. That is what would be called fifth dimensional interactability with depth. Now that's also what's called Riemannian manifolds and, and, and uh, you know, orbifolds using Ritchie tensors, but in plain English, that's what our ancestors called magic. So it, it kind of becomes interesting after that point, right? So it's not that anyone is wrong, but not correct either. It's just like, well, then people may say, Dave, you know, you're, hold on a second. I'm, I'm watching you on, on Ricky's show how is that possible if what you're claiming? Yes, but you're seeing a flat version of me. You are not seeing me with interactability, with depth. And now people may say, Dave, well, there are VR headsets and things like that that can create depth. Yes, they're creating depth relative to the optical locality of you. But one cannot, for example, I guess you could say, interact with such depth until you are close to it. Again, you have to put the VR headset on, not your friend. You see what I'm saying? It's this idea of, for example, one last example, to pick up my glasses. If I place them a little bit far away from me, it takes me time to reach for the glasses and then grab them and then bring it back. So as my hand is reaching for the glasses, time is increasing relative to how long it takes for me to get there, but the distance between the object and me is decreasing. So this speaks to this idea that if we can manipulate and perturb and exploit perhaps that time perspective, could, for example, just like the film Inception, um, you know, you have a, you want to go have a, an eight hour, you know, you want to plug yourself into something. And I, I don't mean to, I'm not for this chip in the brain type stuff. I think there's actually an organic way to do it, but relative to the natural heartbeat of the planet and what we call the Schumann resonance. But this idea of, you know, you want to organically link into a lucid state where, for example, memories or certain experiences are induced where you've had maybe a two week vacation in Florida when really you just had an eight hour sleep in your bed at home. I don't necessarily see the problem with that per se, because what's the difference between that and one's imagination? So that's, that's, I now to be fair though, there is a fine line in my humble opinion between, I think like what we see, for example, at the, the world economic forum, I adamantly disagree with that. When Klaus Schwab says things like, you know, oh, in the, in, you know, 10 years from now, we're all going to be able to read each other's minds and, and all that stuff. We, I would dare to say we already can organically. So when he says we're putting chips in the brain, what, okay, you're putting chips in people's brains. Pardon my profanity here. Why are you not giving other the other fucking option a shot? Why, in my opinion? Because they can't control it. So they don't even bring it up. They don't even admit to it. 
And this goes back full circle to what I was saying about if one cracks anti-gravity, you crack the, the rest, telekinesis, all of it, because it's the same underlying energies that can communicate at light speed with others mentally, telepathically. Now, I know some may, uh, you know, whether your audience or otherwise may say, well, it's complete nonsense. I say, I respect that. Just be open to it. And if one is not open to it, then this could speak to what some have discussed as a reality split or whatever, but that's a whole other conversation. So. Yeah, well, one thing that uh, I, I love about this conversation is that it makes you rethink everything in regards to like even UFOs. A lot of times, like you're stating, what we think we're seeing is all based on our current understanding of reality. So we think it must be a physical thing, but it doesn't, you know, uh, and I've seen Rogan um, doing episodes uh, of late on UFOs and sightings. Um, he's seems to be bringing this up much more often of late in regards to like, just like, okay, maybe it's beyond our understanding, maybe or our current understanding. Maybe it's not, just a physical thing that's the way like we assume everything has to be physical because that's the way we you know right. based on our current senses but it's the same thing like that you know when you talk about dmt or you talk about any of these psychedelics like are you tapping into something or is it just a chemical thing that happens in your body i mean i always use like and we can use pretty simple examples to get people to understand this i mean if you didn't if if you were alive before the radio um, and you're trying to explain to somebody that you can put frequencies in, in the air and then this radio can pick up on it. It sounds like magic, but it, why can't humans do that, right? Why wouldn't we be able to maybe take a substance or something that, or, or maybe people that, like you said, people that are slightly different, maybe mm -hmm. not seeing, um, maybe they're not crazy and that's why they're seeing things. Maybe they're just, they have some, some ability to pick up on, on a different frequency. I mean, I, Sometimes I tell people, I'm like, how would you explain scent to somebody if we were animals without noses? Like, you just, it would be complete or or sound if we're animals without ears. Like, it, it everything, our understanding of the world, we, we put it in a box that um, is restricted by our senses and what, you know, our explanations we've come to. But you have some amazing breakthrough in, in understanding of the world. It could change everything. It could turn everything upside down. Electricity, for example, before there was electricity, if you said that, hey, you could get some coil and you could put, I mean, I know people today who don't know how electricity is made and you put a magnet through it really fast, all of a sudden it creates this energy. And you'd be like, what the fuck? What do you mean energy? Like, yeah, this <laughs> that could power things. Like you could have light in in houses. You could, you know, you could power cars. You could power you know, uh, all machines, you know, you'd be like, wait, wait, what? Like these two things, like this coil that alone seems to do nothing and this magnet that alone seems to do nothing can create this energy when you put it together. So it's like you have one breakthrough and you take this giant leap in technology. And it's the same thing. I, you know, I, I've heard you talk about uh, vibrations and, and the, that's why the water thing is so fascinating because I think this idea that like, there th that there's something more right that there's there's uh, people act like uh like nature and things we touch and feel they're just material things that there's not a it couldn't have a memory it couldn't have a consciousness it couldn't and the water thing is interesting because it it kind of makes you rethink that you know it's it's like yep. well how do you explain this like how do you there must be something that we have not yet explained or understood because this is happening there's experiments showing that water is having um, is being affected by some outside thing that yep. we can't quantify, but 
yeah, you know, so it maybe if we break that code, it opens the door to all these other understandings of the world. Well, to your point, if I may address in a few different regards with respects to the craft, um, and I appreciate, man, your your interest in this, because with respects to a craft, um, it is my understanding with respects to some of the the consulting for certain governments and bodies that I'm doing at SALT, um, it is, in, and I may be wrong, but this is just what I understand, and some people I've spoken to in, in actually, some of them well-known names behind the scenes, um, who, unfortunately, if I mentioned their names, they wouldn't be friends with me any longer, probably, but it is indiscernible from the average observer to, uh, for the average observer to discern or tell between whether the, uh, say, a UFO one is seeing in the sky is a hologram, is something that is actually there, or is something in which is being perhaps consciously inserted into the mind through certain um, electromagnetic inductions, essentially. So it is indiscernible. And, and this is why when people say, well, we don't know what it really is, I agree. I completely agree. Now, in some cases, is it just a drone? Sure. Are there some drones that are using some of this anti-gravitic tech? Potentially. Potentially. If, if you catch my drift. Um, are humans smarter than we, th than we may be led to believe? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean we haven't had help either. Now, with that said, to, to your second point of Again, this goes back to, you know, the joys in the journey. And, you know, there can't necessarily be a theory of everything. Just like when you walk outside and you say, like a good friend of mine said, you know, if you walk outside, you say, oh, it's snowing. Okay, but what is the snow comprised of? Well, Dave, it's, you know, crystalline this, ice, that. Okay, what's that comprised of? And not to be a smartass, but we keep learning and continuing. Well, Richard Feynman, one of the most respected scientists ever. No, people don't have to listen to me. Richard Feynman said it. We do not have an adequate definition of what force is. We don't know what energy is to a certain extent. It goes to a certain extent. And then it's like, okay, then what is it? Well, it's this, it's this, it's this. No, what is that then? And then this is when, dare I say, people who have worked their way up the chain within the academic system um, get start to get their ego involved. That's when the emotion comes into play, right? Where it's, uh, then they, they, if, they're, if they're too hesitant to confront you directly and say F off, They'll just kind of, you know, talk bad about you behind your back. They'll never talk to you again, this and that. This is the stuff that has to stop, in my opinion. This is the point I want people to say, look what I built or look what I made. And I want to say congratulations. That's absolutely beautiful and fantastic. How can we make it better? Not any of this, for example, oh, you made this. Well, okay, I'm a little bit envious now because this and that. No, if one takes even 20 minutes a day, to, to spend time to themselves and say to themselves, what do I like? And if, if one doesn't know, part of my profanity here, just fucking pick something and just try it because you, you, it's this idea of getting out of the comfort zone. Right. And so with, with that said, it's this, again, it goes back to this overall idea of we, man, there, this, the, the, the joy is truly in the journey because if people, what, what pisses me off is when there's stagnation. There's people that don't like change. I want change. Now, yes, is there risk associated with it? Absolutely. But change is needed because in without change, there's stagnation. With stagnation, what comes after that? It's, dare I say, when we go down to the microscopic level, depression, right? So, you know, for example, it's been, um, sorry, I, I can't go there. But yeah, you see what I'm saying? I can tell you, you love philosophy as much as I do. And the one thing I love about philosophy is the fact that there was more questions than there are answers. Like I didn't like answers. Like I, I like, because there should never be 
a definite answer because that's only based on somebody's interpretation or some, um, you know, uh, a theory. You know, that's the other thing I try to I, I remember telling my kids the other day and, you know, my my daughter's six, my son's seven. And I'm like, listen, you're going to get a lot of theories in school. Like they're going to tell you gravity. Gravity holds things down. Understand that that's all based on somebody's interpretation of the world. And that's yeah. a theory. There's no way of knowing 100% that that is actually what is holding things down to the earth. We don't know when it's all based on, you know, somebody's uh, creative uh, intelligence some scientific uh, experiments, whatever. Um, and they came up with this theory, but it, everything's just a theory. That's why, you know, philosophy and science, like you said, they should be parallel in, in ways of thinking, because what you should do, just like in philosophy, it's like, okay, this is my philosophy on reality or morals or politics or whatever somebody should question that those things and dissect those things and somebody should question that and it should be endless amounts of questioning science should be the same way it's like okay this is what makes up a snowflake well what makes up those things and then what makes up those things and then uh, what, like we stop at like um it's almost like baking a cake and being like, okay, our understanding of baking the cake just has to be the ingredients. Like, okay, this is a cake. What makes up a cake? Eggs. And, and it's like, and flour. Okay. Uh, but let's never really figure out what is an egg or what is flour. No, no. Now let's figure out like, what is an egg and what is flour? Okay. Now what is those things? Like what, and just like you said, constantly peeling back, peeling back, peeling back. That's the only way you truly understand things. We, we have only peeled back a a layer or two there's you know endless amounts of layers that could that could make us completely rediscover things um i'd love to get your opinion on one uh bob lazar and sure. some of the stuff that he uh he you know and i i love what he does because he's like i'm i'm not saying this is anything or i'm not giving you my opinion on what i think this is he's like i'm just telling you what i saw this is yep. what i saw i i can give you my explanation of what it might be but I don't have a explanation. And then um, also, um, because this is a topic that I've been so fascinated with uh, for, for so many years, is Atlantis. And um, do you, if, if you think the stories of Atlantis is a example of, uh, or, or some evidence of like civilizations evolving, maybe cracking some of these codes um, and, and, maybe you know explaining some of the things like the pyramids and other things and and something that randall carlson and graham hancock said that uh was a really really good point um because i think that a lot of times it's used to debunk some of these conversations is like i don't i can't remember if it was randall or or uh, graham who said like you could have one civilization in one place that, that cracks a code and then you have you 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 study some other civilization in another place on this planet that didn't crack that code so they you're like hey look oh at this time period these people were they didn't know how to do this it didn't, but it doesn't mean that somebody else on another planet because now we have the ability to where we can connect and we can share information but at that time that wasn't the case you know you in other words multiple things can happen you can have one culture that's far behind another one on the other end of the planet i agree yeah yep yeah. I, I would say sort of cut you off but if i um so if i may go in order with respects to lazar i I remain skeptical on some claims and other claims I think he's bang on. Now, I will get specific for you. Element 115, I'm not saying it's BS. I'm not at all. 
I don't know anything about it. I'm of the humble opinion based on my own experiments and experience that it's not needed. Um, it, there, some sketches he's made of what he saw the certain gravity amplifiers, as he called them, or gravity generators of where the element he claimed the element 115 was being put into. I would encourage people to focus more on the the gravity amplifiers than element 115. I think I'm of the humble opinion, too many individuals are focused, and I could be wrong, but too many people are focused on the nuts and bolts of what the craft is made out of in various forms, um, as opposed to what is being done to the craft or to the material instead of what the material is made of if that makes sense are, are, are you talking about maybe the vibration thing because i've heard you talk about this how everything has a vibration and if you can get the right frequency and the right you know you could manipulate things move things cut things change things i would say this has to do with what's been called uh quantum electrodynamic or quantum quantum loop gravity with respects to what's called the Schwinger limit, where essentially string theory, or at one point, what is normally known as angular momentum is goes from like a, a slanted line eventually to when it gets spun quick enough into a spiral. And I would say that would be the case. I do agree very strongly with Randall Carlson when he said that this particular technology harnesses plasmoids or plasmas, and that it uses a particular resonant frequency. I think this resonant frequency is also what the um, the Egyptians used for the pyramids. I think the pyramids was not one or two uh, different things. I think it was a multi-pronged tool or apparatus um, for various reasons. And again, I, I would, if I may give as much of a hint as I can, one is playing with the platonic solids. In other words, this the circle, the triangle, the cube, you know, and the icosadodecahedron, all that kind of stuff. But just like, for example, you know, people talk about uh, using different types of fluids, you know, allegedly the, the, the Nazis used liquid mercury to try and get their some of their craft going, the Diglock, the alleged Nazi bell. Um, I, the fluids work, not necessarily liquid mercury, but fluids work. There's also another form of it called, you know, electrogravitics, where it's strictly, you know, uh, electricity, magnetism, and one or two other, I guess you could say, missing components in which on the modeling side of Einstein's general relativity, Einstein was not wrong in general relativity. There was something missing. And I believe he knew it bef even bef long before he passed. It just never went public. Um, as well as with respects to Atlantis, um, I do believe it definitely existed. The reason I, I, I say that, um, I'd be inclined to, to believe in it based on some of the things that I've been uh, I've been doing at salt specifically there are certain things brother i'll be honest with you that one cannot be exposed to certain pieces of knowledge or information without being exposed or putting the, the pieces of the puzzle together in other regards um that's why there that's to be honest with you that's why i started my own company because i didn't want to go under nda under anyone else if i was going to go under nda it was going to go under myself so i can limit what i could say now don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not trying to say like you know i, I have freedom to talk about everything and anything there is a, a red line um, so because, you know, then I'll basically get disappeared, so to speak, but I'm trying to push it as much as I can. And I think a lot of this stuff should come out, but with respects to Atlantis, just one example, there's a former Russian general ambassador, uh, doctor, I believe as well, Leonid Ivashov, and he has written a book strictly in Russian. I don't think it was even, I don't know if he submitted for it to be printed in English or other languages, or if it was simply denied, but, um, 
he basically said that, you know, NASA spent, uh, we could say, many millions of dollars looking to retrieve a particular stargate or arc or object that could only be indiscernible from magic. Now, can it be scientifically substantiated? I know this is a bold claim to make without any physical proof of anything right next to me, but in my humble opinion, absolutely. Um, it, it, just like philosophy, the result is the same, but how we get to that result is our different our different methodologies. I it just it's the same way, for example, with um, people who crack different forms of anti gravity. It's some people said, well, no, I, I did it this way. Another person said, well, I did it this way. Perfect. Now we now have multiple ways to do it. There's not the way, there are a ways, a set of ways, if you will. Um, I wish I could say infinite, but I do believe it's limited relative to the reality we're in, but that's another another thing. But ultimately, yes, I would say, um, yeah, so it, it, with respects to, to Lazar as well, he's, um, I don't think he's wrong at all about when he talked about the, when he saw the craft and he said there was no... Um, uh, no, uh, what was the word? It was very smooth, uh, so to speak. Um, I think, for example, as well, that when he talked about, you know, the uh, this this ball that sort of when you pushed against it, it had a magnetic force. I 100% agree with that. And again, to you and your audience, that's just me. But based on my certain things, and and I would say 100%. But with respects to this whole element 115. It could be real. Um, it could be perhaps even something that, and I say this with no disrespect to him, maybe a, a name or a label he gave that's not the actual label that he deliberately knew so that he could speak about it without getting disappeared. Now, rebuttal to that as well is, well, he's disinfoing us. And I know this is when it gets tough. I don't claim to agree with that. But And I'm not saying that's what he's doing, but I do think that this element is not needed. Um, now, are you familiar with the company that Randall Carlson or the group of researchers that he was talking about that have been working on some of this technology and has, you know, broken some of these codes on, on energy or reality or consciousness or whatever they're working on. And he, he said that in a couple months, they're going to open source it. And uh, are you, you're aware with, uh, of any of this? And do you think by, it sounds like in, in the very near future, you'll be able to openly talk about this in, in much, uh, Deeper. Um, let's, uh, so, sorry, I got to just think very quickly here to watch my words. I hope it gets open sourced. I think as well, I'm of the humble opinion. What he said there was a strategy and tactic to move the ball forward collectively to get others to, to, to come out with this stuff. Now, um, when he talks about abundant energy, I believe he's being careful because, okay. This is where, this is what I'm working on with salt with respects to the larger picture. If one could manipulate the reality we're in, in a conscious sense, one can then manipulate what would be free, what would be originally free energy when it's hidden to then becoming abundant, but still limited when it's brought out. So there, unfortunately, I think there still will be a control mechanism. I'm not trying to look at it glass half empty. Um, I hope it gets open sourced, but even if it does get open sourced, it, there's still going to be a lot of, um, I'll be honest with you, man. I hope it happens. I really do. I'm based on what I'm seeing behind the scenes from my, just from my perspective, unfortunately, and I would say this with the utmost respect to Mr. Carlson, I don't think it's going to be Mazda. I hope I'm wrong. I genuinely hope I'm wrong, but um, 
if it gets open sourced, that 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 would be awesome. I would, as a matter of fact, if it gets open sourced, what I can then do is I can then come back on your show or go public and say, listen, you know, this is some of that type of energy, but let's go even one step further. Because what does propulsion mean? What does anything even mean if the reality we're in is limited to the set of rules that the the rule the game maker has put? So imagine if this stuff does get open sourced. If we were, and I say this very hypothetically, if we were living in a simulation that our governments have collectively perhaps agreed on to perturb and manipulate, there could be memory wipes, there could be, which can be scientifically substantiated, there could be as well, um, and I'll give you an example. We have a Canadian company that basically is coming up with this, this concept where you buy the car, but you rent the battery. So the, ba and, and, and why rent the battery? Well, it never dies, but you got to rent it still. So again, I will see what happens. I don't want to, again, there, interestingly enough, I think 24 hours after, 48 hours after Rent Carlson brought it up on Rogan, there was an explosion in, in, in roughly around the location that he had claimed that this, these experiments were being done. I am not saying that this explosion is what, uh, you know, created that. This is purely speculation or, or caused, uh, you know, that facility to blow up or anything. I'm not saying it did at all. Um, with that said, the individual as well working on this has been in the past accused of scams and things like that. But to be fair, that's what people who've cracked stuff have always been accused of whenever they want to go public with it. So in other words, sorry for dodging the question, but I think that if it does come out, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be limited to the way in which people still need to rely on some type of control system. But I, I hope it comes out. I, I hope it gets open sourced. But I think, um, yeah, I, I hope I hope it gets open sourced. But I think there's still something much bigger than even that. Because it's like saying, for example, imagine you put your VR headset on and we're playing a, a, a virtual reality game. And you say, oh, Dave, you know, in this virtual reality, you're going to get un, an unlimited amount of money. You say, I, I say, Ricky, that's all fine and dandy. But tomorrow morning, I got to take this headset off and go to work. You see what I'm saying? So if we scale it like that, there's something bigger than that. So in other words, this is what I meant when I had spoken in the beginning of, of our conversation here with respects to there are people behind the scenes that believe in this stuff 1 trillion percent, whether it's journalists of very high reputable credibility, whether it's celebrities of various kinds in various industries, some of which I've spoken to a plethora of them who have, and some of which I have contracts with who have said, Dave, you know, we know this stuff. We, we approach you because it sounds crazy publicly, but behind the scenes, we've been, you know, we've been abducted for years. We've had this, we've had that. We've had manifestation experiences. People are simply, um, I guess you could say, there's a lot of moving parts. Some people are ready, some aren't. So that's, that, that's, that's one of the services I offer as well. And this idea of, for example, we can have an abundant amount of energy, but what about the outcome of a particular event, for example? What about, I can tell you that, there are military intelligence services that have existed for decades that have actually used what's been called remote remote viewing, but even other methods with more perhaps data-driven, data-backed, solidified experimental results, uh, far be actually applicable results that show there are services offered to select individuals and groups at the very top levels of business and private industry and federal governments where out, uh, a handful of outcomes can be seen, whether using technology or a, a person or a bit of both.
So there, there's multiple angles this can be played. So just like, for example, I hope it gets open sourced, but there may be, for example, the same way that Linux is open sourced. You then have Linux Pro, Linux Plus. But either way, it's a step in the right direction. So yeah, I, I hope it does get open sourced. Damn, I I, I got to go soon, but I don't want to end this conversation. This is going, <laughs> this, I, Dave, it's funny because last time you're on the You Don't Want It, and if people haven't listened to it, please check it out. It was supposed to be a... Uh, Halloween special and uh, which really turned into an amazing conversation because of some of the stuff that you brought to the table that started. I think you could see a lot of people on the panel kind of connecting the dots with some of the stuff you were saying and explain some of the stuff that they were saying. And um, and I think that's that's the beautiful thing about humans, right? It's like we're, we're capable of so much more. And that's why when I it's funny because I, I like um, uh, Patrick Bet David. You know, he's had, um, you know, um, our mutual friend Whitney Webb on and Richard Gage recently and and um, Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough. And I give him a lot of respect, but he lives in the world of business and ones and zeros, which mm. makes you very successful in this world. If you just like basically stay in this material realm and look at everything from the material perspective. And it's like it's all about ones and zeros and money and production and, and whatever and things you could quantify and touch or whatever. Mm. But uh that stuff is so boring to me. I mean, I could care less about financial advice or any, I'm like, I love these type of uh, discussions because I think we've barely scratched the surface in understanding our ancestors, our history, uh, the world around us. Ricky, I, right before we end it, if I may say, just to give you one thing in your audience to ponder on from a scientific perspective, our ancestors would call certain sky gods, if you will, which we can now maybe perhaps allude to as crafts, UAPs, um, as coming through what's been called serpent ropes. I would ask your audience and yourself to ponder and think on this. And I'm not saying there is a right or wrong answer, but what's the difference between a serpent rope and what we now call traversable wormholes? So makes you think, right? Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing about the knowledge of our ancestors. I mean, so many things seem like, we're not discovering it, we're rediscovering it, right? Like this whole idea of um, I'm big in diet and nutrition and whatnot, like people uh, are talking about the gut being the second brain. And I'm like, well, we've been saying I have a gut feeling forever. Like yeah. where do you think that came from? Like it's there was this understanding of it before we actually understood it. I remember um, when I was really young, I got uh, food poisoning and uh, I, I somebody told me to eat like burnt toast. And, uh, and I'm like, what the fuck does burnt toast do? And I'm, and I'm looking at everything from like a, a logical perspective. I'm like, how is burn a burnt piece of bread going to help me? And then as I got older, I realized, oh, it's the charcoal. The char charcoal kills the bacteria. The person who was telling me to eat the burnt toast, I, of course, because I'm a super curious person and I like to push back. I'm like, can you explain to me how this would work? Like, what, how, how does this make any sense? And right. they couldn't explain it, but it didn't mean it didn't work. It just means it couldn't explain it. And so that's kind of like a, a metaphor for like everything we're talking about. It doesn't mean it doesn't work or it doesn't exist. It just means we can't explain it yet. Once I understood that, okay, the charcoal kill, kills a bad bacteria in your stomach. I'm like, okay, now we, we've scientifically explained it. But it didn't mean it, that it didn't work and it didn't mean that that person was crazy. It just meant that you could discover something or understand something to some extent and maybe you don't understand to the level of like actually breaking down exactly the mechanism of everything and how everything is working. But um, I, I think that's probably one of our problems with like the, the missing, uh, dismissing things too quickly, right? It's like, we can't 
um, explain it immediately. How does this work or how is this happening? Then all, it must be pseudoscience. It must be supernatural. It must. I'll be honest with you, brother. It becomes threatening. To, and I, I look, I'll be honest, particularly for individuals who have genuinely worked hard within the system that they were raised and brought up in, particular, especially within academia, various branches of all branches, really, to have, for example, someone like yourself come along and be open to these things. And meanwhile, the head of a science advisory committee never was or and still isn't because they keep getting with the, there. There's for, forgive me, but there's no other way to explain it. They've been getting so many checks for so many long for so long to not look into those things that now all of a sudden, you know, for example, Ricky Verandas all of a sudden has this phenomenal idea, but because he doesn't, he's not Ricky Verandas PhD. <laughs> it can't be applied. This is where I, there's a lot of things that looking back, you know, I don't, I didn't agree with Steve Jobs on and things like this, but one of the things I agreed with him on was, was um, the best ideas have to win. If you are in a, if you, if you are in a room and maybe there's more than one best idea, there can be more than one. If you're in a, if you're in a board meeting, say you and me are in a room and there's 10 other people, highly respected individuals, executives, and then we're spitballing ideas for marketing or business, whatever. And then a janitor comes in and says, sorry to interrupt guys, but what do you think of this? And that janitor has the best, I'm fucking going with the janitor's idea because it doesn't matter who it came from. In my opinion, it matters what the idea, the substance of the idea and what can we do with it next to make it better to improve. And That's a, a lot of the people who are experts in a field are limited with their ideas because what happens is that they become an expert by learning. You know, I had this conversation with Dr. Jessica uh, Rose because we talked about I had her co-host when I had Dr. Uh, Thomas Cowan on the last time I had him on because I was curious on her perspective on all this stuff. Um, you know, me and uh, I don't know if it was on the air or off the air, but we talked about uh, Do Dr. Peter uh, Duesberg, the guy who, um, you know, uh, made yes. was on Rogan's years ago and very fascinating conversation and fascinating person who made people rethink like, OK, is this virus actually causing the disease, you know, and um, people are just like, oh, yeah, you know, I accept this as the way things work. And then you get somebody who's like, no, like there's no real evidence. And that's the and that, that's something I've talked to Dr. Jessica Rose on, because it's like you go you go to a university, you're taught these are the. These that guy's a genius, by the way, in my opinion, uh, that guy's a genius. Yeah, I've, I've read some of his his work. He's 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 on the money, in my opinion. Well, you, you have these foundation, like your foundation is based on these principles, right? So all your ideas and all your perspectives and all your personal philosophies and, and your worldviews are based on that foundation. Mm. But, they, but what happened is the university and the experts that came before you gave you that foundation. So you could build this house in this direction a little bit, in that direction, uh, up, but you can't really leave that foundation. And that foundation is going to restrict all the ideas that you build on top of it. So like I keep telling uh, uh, Dr. Jessica Rose, or I, I've told her and um, we're having this conversation. I'm like, listen, I'm like, you need to like rethink everything. I'm like, my problem with like being an expert in a field is like you have this foundation that restricts you. I'm like, well, how about we take steps backwards? And we're like, okay, what are these theories that like germ theory and all these things? So like all your ideas on the world are based on like, germ theory and all these theories that came before you that somebody has said hey this is like your worldview is based on this you can expand off this but you can't question this if i may say one last thing i know you got to go to that point <clears throat> i think this has to do with this idea of upsetting people's rice bowl at the top with respects to 
they want to make us think. And when I say they, I'm speaking particularly financial interests and various elements of the military industrial complex on a global level and the media industrial complex as well and Wall Street, that only they can do what they do, right? They use these fancy terms, all these, you know, I've, I got a this and that. I'm not trying to take away from the vast amount of hard work and education that people have put into things, not at all. But to your point of, okay, someone's taken, you know, the, the blue path, there's also a red path and a purple path and a green path. And maybe some of those paths, in fact, intersect. But the fact that they're not even willing to consider or be open to it that's the problem. I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying I have the answer. I'm, I'm yes, in fairness, I'm claiming I've cracked a set of answers, but that's only led me to more questions, brother. Right. So th this and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I will say this the first time I've said it publicly. Nobody has ever come at me, whether on social media or otherwise, other than just saying, oh, you know, you're full of crap or whatever, because, again, I. I I know these uh, without saying the names, it becomes it's unsubstantiated. But those that are that will watch this or listen to this um, and, and those in academia that many of them know who I am. And that's why those, you know, they'll say we're familiar with your work and what you're doing, but we just were not allowed to comment on it publicly. But then behind the scenes, they go, hey, give me your number. Let's 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 talk. I'm not kidding. So it, it becomes a very interesting thing. Right. If So, again, I'm 24. If there's a 17 year old kid that has a, an idea on something that I don't care that he's 17. I'm not going to get pissed that he, he's, he's 17. Oh, because I, I didn't crack it when I was 17. So I have to do everything I can emotionally to put him in the ground metaphorically. Right. And, and shame him. No, 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 no. We all have a different piece of that pie or pizza. We just, some of us have yet to find it in my opinion. That's how I see it basically. So that's to your point, this idea of, again, you know, you're a chemist, stay in your lane. You're a propulsion physics guy, stay in your lane. You're an engineer, electrical engineer, stay in your, you're a ceramics engineer, stay in your lane over and over and over. It doesn't end. Now, with that said, I wish there are some university courses I could take, but because I can't, I'm trying to self-teach. But at the same time, there are other courses I'm so glad I didn't take because it would have butchered my view and it would have prevented me from obtaining a new perspective on old physics. This is, in my opinion, this is, this doesn't go outside the laws of physics, brother. A lot of this stuff, whether it's anti-gravity, telekinesis, it's in there. It's just, it's a new perspective on the old stuff. So that's, that, that's, yeah. Learning guitar, right? If I, if somebody teaches me, this is how you play guitar, then I'm kind of restricted to like, oh, these are the principles of playing guitar. It's these chords, it's this. Yeah. Now I have restrictions on my imagination because I was told these are the principles. And then you get somebody who who is self-taught and, you know, like I, I self-taught myself, but uh, uh, there's plenty of a really, nice. really good um, uh, self-taught. I, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't that good, but it, there was some, you know, some of the best guitarists or at least the most revolutionary um, musicians in general or artists in general are people who are self-taught. Like they, they kind of, uh, they do things against the grain. They do things that maybe you wouldn't even uh, attempt to do or try to do if uh, if you weren't self-taught and and a lot of times a lot of uh, breakthroughs happen by people who aren't experts in those fields it's somebody who's coming at it from a different perspective looking at it from a completely different uh, point of view because of you know because they weren't restricted by being a you know I'm an expert in this field these are the principles that I follow these are yeah. the theories that I've adopted and they must all be true I can't question these things and that's it so um, that's what makes this all so fun because I do feel like, you know, we're we're living in a time where we could really technology is advancing, 
um, at a certain rate. And then we're you're doing all- a, we're doing a disservice to ourselves, brother, to your point. If we don't say, hold on a second, it's not what to think, it's how to think. And also at the same time, question all of it, question all of it. Every well, that's the thing. Like a lot of times, people in the alternative media community, they say question everything in regards to like, uh, you know, government conspiracies or whatever it may be. I'm like, you should question everything. Like, ju- that's it. Like, period. And like everything. There should. Brother, be- I'm I'm a hypocrite to this day. We're all hypocrites to some extent. You know, at the not. I know you really have to go, but this idea, for example, you know, if I people talk about supporting a particular political viewpoint, but they're saying that while they're using the phone that was manufactured in meat by ways and means that completely contradict the viewpoint these people are promoting. We're all hypocrites. We're all including myself, including it. We're all man. The question is, to what extent do we conscious? Are we consciously aware of it or not? In my opinion. Yeah, and and that's I I, I love what you're doing. I I I wish you the best of luck. We'll definitely have to get uh, get together soon. And I did. You're Canadian. Yeah. I should have known because you, you guys are always so damn polite. I I'm, well, I'm at a to tell you, I can say to your to you and your audience, I'm I'm actually at a facility doing some consulting right now, just staying in, in a room here, but in the states. But yeah, that's why that's the I'm I'm Canadian, based out of Toronto. Oh uh, yeah, I I could have guessed. You guys are I, like uh, some of my politest guests uh, throughout <laughs> have been Canadian. Corbett was obviously one of the first guests, that, uh, big guests on my show, super polite. And it's like every Canadian came after him was super, super nice to Adam Scorgy. I actually just had a uh, Matt uh, e- Ebert, e- Ebert. How does he, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's like E-H-R-T, I think, something like that. But he's from Canada, another super polite, awesome guy. Uh, you guys are doing some amazing work up there. And, uh, and thank you so much for the thought-provoking conversation. I can't wait to, to see what, you know, what you're... I appreciate it, man. Some of this stuff and 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 kind of open up. And I hope that Randall Carlson is right that he that hopefully in a, in the next couple months, Rogan seems so interested in it. He might uh, force him to have to disclose some stuff on, on online and or, or on a podcast. And hopefully, it opens up a, a can of worms in regards to getting the information out there and forcing everybody to have to learn about this stuff. But before I do let you go, we do also need to plug everything you're doing let people know how they can connect with you uh your websites any social media platforms you're on um you know your podcast i know you're still on youtube uh one of the few of us who are still on youtube and uh and and anything else please i appreciate it well first and foremost uh generation Z Z E D podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify podbean and youtube of course um as well as patreon.com slash generation z the days where i'm doing a lot more thinking as we uh, discussed earlier than actual work with with salt or doing stuff with the show i'm doing a little bit of tweeting and i'm trying to push it to the extent that i can with revealing as much as i can at podcast z on twitter i also do once a week usually i release them on sunday sometimes jointly with a friend other times alone um davez.substack.com and um, yeah, I, I appreciate any uh, any support, whether it's just, you know, verbally or financially or otherwise. I think ultimately it's a matter of supporting one another in a, in a very decentralized fashion, because without people like with actually, as a matter of fact, Ricky, I used to exercise last winter listening to some of your interviews and I learned I gained insights from some of your interviews that I'm now applying to some of this stuff. So it speaks again to this idea, if I may say one final thing that people always talk about, you know, they're looking for that missing key, that classified document, whether it's the UFO world or otherwise, there are things out there, folks, you got to look, but it's there. There are things out there. There's data out there that may not be when scattered may not be considered classified, but when compiled in a particular order, 
in a chronological sense to disseminate a particular picture becomes classified. So in my opinion, it's out there. You, you, it's just, again, um, you, you got to want it. So I'll end it with the whole, you know, you can bring the horse to water, you can't make it drink. And I always add a little bit to the end. If you put a gun to its head, what's the point? Because then it's just going through the motions. So just like when you're at the gym, you, you, your mind, your soul has to be into that, that bench press, that curl. You need to feel the pump of the muscle and the blood rushing, not just stand there and go, duh, 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 and just, you know, just curl like randomly. Then that's just going through the motions. So. Yeah, with, without a doubt. And I, I'm, I'm hoping at some point in our lifetime, there's going to be some zero point energy technology type thing. There will, there will. I, I can tell you now there will. If and it's not, if it's not Mazda, someone else will do it soon. It's, it's not, that's why what we're doing at SALT is, um, we're trying to look, um, and I don't, I don't mean this in a derogatory manner, but we're trying to look much larger than, than just propulsion or just energy in that regard, more than just space travel. We're, we're trying to look at, I know it sounds absurd, but entering, dare I say, other worlds and manipulating or creating one's own world without the use of chips in the head and things like that. So more organically, there's a way to do it organically. There absolutely is. And I would uh, I would not have been able to be given an audience with very high level individuals from DOD and otherwise if there wasn't. So. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's resist the digital world because there's too much in the natural world that we haven't uh, yet uh, discovered. And and I, I think could blow the, you know, we, we look at like the di digital world as like, you know, oh, we, we've we've met the threshold of, uh, you know, in this material world. Now we have to go into the digital world for maximum entertainment and value and all this stuff. It's like, no, man. I mean, there's probably a lot that, well, there is a lot that we still don't understand. And, and hopefully, uh, we, we, you know, some of this stuff will actually come to light, um, you know, in our lifetimes. And, and it's, uh, sometimes it takes, it'll take a company like Mazda to be the first one to do it so that everybody else follows to move the ball forward. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I hope it happens. I hope it does. But this is the thing as well. This, this, unfortunately, via the indoctrination and the propaganda over the years, it's, they butchered it so goddamn much that I, I, I fear that even if it does come out, people will have a hard time understanding it. So even if it is open source, I'm not trying to be glass half empty. It's just, it's, it's unfortunate, but don't get me wrong. It's beautiful that this stuff will come out. I don't know when, but I, whether it's, whether it's Mazda or someone else, I, as it stands right now behind the scenes, brother, it'll come, it'll come out. That's not, unfortunately not free, perhaps abundant, but it'll come out. We live in some crazy times. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dave, for your time. I really, really appreciate it. everybody. Please check out his podcast. Check, uh, follow him on uh, on Twitter. Uh, I know you you still have a YouTube channel. Check him out on YouTube. And uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk again in the near future, Dave. Keep thank up. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Take care.